Well, happy Easter to everyone. Thank you there. I heard a couple of girls on the front who were answered back. I appreciate that. Uh, But happy Easter 2018. And of course, we know that uh, Easter for Christians is a time when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus from the grave. And I thought about this morning, I thought back over the quite a few years now, I guess, about, uh, I have to think, 22 years that uh, I have preached Easter sermons in some location or another, and uh, what would be the subject in terms of the resurrection of Jesus. And I thought about some of the things that I've preached about through the years, and of course, one would simply be uh, the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus. I've preached about that. We could go through and make a case as Paul did in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, for the resurrection of Christ and uh, detail out all of the evidence we have for the resurrection. We could talk about the witnesses. We could talk about the women and, of course, the disciples, the 500 brethren who saw Jesus, the apostle Paul, and he said he was one born out of due time, how he saw Jesus in a vision on the road to Damascus and we could uh, talk about the empty tomb. They've never found the body of Jesus. That, that would put it to rest. The early Christians were certainly causing a problem in their society, and there were folks who wanted to shut them up, if you will. And all they would have had to have done was to have found the body and said, here's the body of this man they say is alive, and they've never found the body. But perhaps one of the greatest evidences of the resurrection were the changed lives of the disciples themselves. They went from men who were cowardly, who had deserted their master, and if they wanted to die for Jesus, they missed a really good opportunity when he was crucified. There were those who certainly would have taken them up, but they all scattered. But something happened. Something happened from the crucifixion until Pentecost, when suddenly... They were no longer scattered and afraid, but they were boldly proclaiming the gospel. And we all know if we study the lives of the apostles that perhaps as best we can tell, every apostle with the possible exception of the apostle John is reported to have died a martyr's death. And of course, as it has been said many times, uh, you may die for something you believe to be true, although it is a lie, But I don't know that anyone would die for a lie, knowing that it is a lie. And of course, all of them would have simply avoided death had they denied the resurrection of Jesus, but they refused to do so. So all of those would be evidences, but we're not going to preach on that this morning. You might have thought I got started. I thought about preaching on it there for a minute, but we're not going to preach on the evidences of the resurrection. We could talk about the details of the resurrection and certainly one of the things, and I mentioned this this morning at the sunrise service, never forget, when we talk about the resurrection of Jesus, when the Bible describes the resurrection of Jesus, we're talking about a bodily resurrection. We're not talking about His Spirit. You know, when someone passes away, we say, well, they're in heaven. Well, that's true. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Their spirit is in heaven if they know the Lord, but their body is in the ground. Or it's at the bottom of the ocean. Or it's whatever happened to their body, their body's not in heaven. And as a matter of fact, that's what the resurrection at the last trumpet is, is when our bodies will be resurrected and joined with our spirits, and then we will meet the Lord. 
And you see, Jesus is the firstborn from the resurrection. He's the first fruit. He is the first one. And remember, Jesus was a human being. He walked this earth. He was God in the flesh, but He was also a man. And He died as a man, but He was raised. His body was raised. It was a different body, a glorified body. Remember, He could appear in one place when the disciples were all in a room. The, the room was locked. And all of a sudden, Jesus appeared. So He wasn't limited, no longer limited as our bodies are. And that's the way our bodies will be when we're resurrected. It'll be a different body, a glorified body, but it will be a body. You're going to have a body in the resurrection. And Jesus' resurrection was and is a bodily resurrection. His body came out of the tomb. Not just His spirit, but His body came out of the tomb. But I'm not going to preach on that either. We're not going to preach on that this morning. Here's what I want to share with you this morning. And the phrase that I want to share with you is found in Philippians. Philippians and uh, chapter number 2. Philippians chapter number 3 actually. Philippians chapter number 3 and verse number 7. Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 7. Of course, this is the Apostle Paul. And if you know anything about your Bible... You know that Paul penned these words while in a prison um, in Rome. He penned to the church at Philippi. And Rome was sitting in a dungeon and he wrote these words. And in this letter, he says this. He just got through listing his resume. If Paul were going to apply for the job as a rabbi in a Jewish synagogue or some type of religious position, all of this would have been on his resume He spoke about how he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, how he was circumcised on the eighth day, how he was above all of his contemporaries in his religious zeal. But then he goes on in verse 7, he says, But what things were gained to me, these I counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things." and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And here it is. This is the passage I want to talk about this morning. Verse number 10. That I may know Him, that is Jesus, that I may know Jesus and the power of of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death. And I want to look at that phrase in verse number 10. He says that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. I want to share with you on that phrase the power of the resurrection. The Bible says in Romans 10 that if you want to become a Christian... You confess that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. What does that mean? Does that simply mean that to become a Christian, you have to believe in a historical event? Let's just say if you want to become an American citizen, I tell you, well, you have to believe that in 1492, Columbus crossed the ocean blue. Well, you might believe in that historical event that in the year 1492, Columbus crossed the ocean blue, 
But what does that do to you today? Does that change your life today? And if you believe that Jesus 2,000 years ago came out of the tomb, what does that matter? Is that just simply a creed that you have to repeat? Something you have to agree that you believe in order to be joined to a Christian fellowship or a Christian church? Yes, I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. What did Paul mean when he says, I want to know Jesus and I want to know the power of His resurrection? I want to talk to you and present to you this morning that that means something. It means something to you and to I today. When we say the power of the resurrection of Jesus, that changes our lives if we embrace it in the way that the Bible says to embrace it. I want to look over, if you will, to Ephesians. Turn over, of course, the Apostle Paul again speaking in in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 15. He really goes into more detail about what he's talking to the Philippians about. But if you look in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, he says, Therefore, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And this is what he's praying. He's praying for these believers in Ephesus. And in verse 17, he tells us what his prayer is. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling and what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the, in the saints. Remember how in uh, Philippians he said, Paul said, I want to know Jesus. And here in Ephesus he's telling the, the believers in Uh, In Ephesus, he says, I'm praying that God may give you a knowledge of Him, that you may know Him. And let me just tell you, that's the essence of being a Christian. It is not coming to church, although if you're a Christian, you should go to church. It is not changing your lifestyle, although if you are a true Christian, your lifestyle will invariably change. But the true essence of, of being a Christian is that you know Jesus, that you may know Him, that He is real to you. That He is, you know, we say you ask Jesus to come into your heart. What that means is you have fellowship with Him. You are intimate with Jesus. You have a relationship with Him. You speak to Him and He speaks to you. You are open to Him. And Paul says, I know Jesus. I know Him. And he told the believers in Ephesus, I want you to have a full knowledge of Him. I want the Spirit to reveal all of who God is to you. But that's not all. Remember, we're talking about the power of the resurrection. He says to know what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints in verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe. According to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And He has put all things under His feet and gave Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Two, the very same two subjects that Paul spoke about in the book of Philippians. I want to know Jesus and I want to know the power of His resurrection. 
In a broader and a more detailed sense, he talks about those two subjects there in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, I'm praying that you may know Jesus, that you may know the fullness of His glory. And I'm praying also, Paul said, that you may know the power, the power of His resurrection. Let me tell you something. If you are going to live the Christian life, if you're going to overcome evil in your life, if you're going to win the victorious life, you are going to need the power of the resurrection. You cannot do it on your own. Your willpower is not strong enough. Your upbringing was not good enough. Your DNA is not solid enough. If you want to walk the Christian life, you cannot do it in your own power. You need the power of the resurrection. That's what we want to talk about this morning. That's what I want to impart to you. Not just a historical fact that 2,000 years ago Jesus came out of a tomb. Yes, He did. Not just the recital of a uh, code of beliefs that say, yeah, I believe that Jesus rose from the grave, but a recognition and an embracing of the power of the resurrection, that when Jesus conquered death, when He came out of that tomb, it means something to you, and it means something to me. It gives us an avenue, it gives us a source of power to overcome sin, to overcome evil in our personal lives and in this World, The power of the resurrection. He goes into more detail. Remember in the original, there were no chapters and verses. They were added through the centuries just to help people. Can you imagine trying to find something? Let's just say in Corinthians, if there were no chapters and verses. You know, let's just turn about to the, about the 16th paragraph of Corinthians. It would be very difficult. And so Paul is continuing his same train of thought in chapter 2. And remember... What, we, what we're doing this morning and what I want you to see this as, Paul is comparing, he is comparing your life to Jesus dying and being resurrected. It's a comparison. It's an analogy. And he says in chapter 2 verse 1, And you He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Remember he just finished speaking about Jesus Dying and Jesus being raised again from the dead. And he says, I want you to know who Jesus is. I want you to know Him in His fullness. I want you to know the power of His resurrection. And now Paul says, and remember, Paul is saying, you were dead. You were dead and He made you alive. Just as He was made. He was dead and He was made alive. He says, you He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. You've probably heard me preach on this passage. Some of you have before, and if you took notes, you'll remember. There's a good way to remember everything that he just said. He said, number one, you're dead. Number two, you're disobedient. Number three, you're diabolical. You're following the prince of the power of the air. Number four, you're depraved. And number five, you're damned. All of those things. You are dead, diabolical, disobedient, depraved, and damned. That's what living in the flesh offers you. He says that's who you once were. 
But yet God made you alive. And then in verse 4, and what is my favorite word in the Bible? Anybody want to say? But. You are dead, diabolical, disobedient, depraved, and damned, but God. But God, who is rich in mercy. But God. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. We all know God is rich. We talk about he owns, you know, what's the old song? My father is rich in houses and lands. He owns, uh, he holds the wealth of the world in his hands. But the greatest treasure that God has is not silver and gold or the cattle on a thousand hills. But I'm glad that Paul tells us that God is rich in mercy. He is rich in mercy. Rich in mercy and his Great love. Many of you remember the old hymn that I love so well. I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry, and from the water he lifted me. Now safe am I. Love lifted me. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. All my heart to Him I give. Ever to Him I'll cling. In His blessed presence live. Ever His praises sing. Love so mighty and so true merits my soul's best song. Faithful, loving service to, to Him belong. And souls in danger, look above. Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by His love out of the angry waves. He's the master of the sea. Billows His will obey. He your Savior wants to be. Be saved today. God who is rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. Has made us alive together with Christ. And verse number 6, And He has raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Back up, if you will, there to verse number 20 when it says that He raised Jesus from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. Remember, He is placing us with Christ. He's placing us in Christ. He's saying, Jesus died, you died. Jesus was buried, you were buried. Jesus was raised from the tomb by the power of the resurrection. You were raised from the death of your sin and the guilt of your sin by the power of His resurrection. Jesus was seated in heavenly places. You are seated in heavenly places. Yes, God has placed you, my friend, above your addictions, above your sin, whatever it is that has you bound and has you captured, you are not bound to that. You do not have to submit. You can be free by the power of the resurrection. The power of the resurrection. Notice a little bit further. You might say, well, how? That's a good little story, Brother William. Good little but I, I, how do I access I mean what button do I press to get the power of the resurrection 
Where do I put my card? How do I sign up? I, I, I don't know how it works. How does it work? Well, tell, I'm glad you asked, by the way. Turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And I want to tell you how it works. How can I access the power of the resurrection? How can I be free? Brother William, I, I, I've got problems. I've got issues. The devil's got me by the throat. And I can't get away. How can I be free? I want to have the power of the resurrection. How? Romans chapter 6, verse number 3. Or actually, let's, let's go there. Yeah, verse, chapter 6, verse 3. He says, Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore we are buried with Him through baptism unto death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of His death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him for the death that he died he died to sin once for all and the life that he lives he lives to God likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord what did Jesus say when he answered the question I, people said I want to follow you how did he say to follow him do you remember? He said, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You find me the worst addict in Irwin County. You find me the most debauched sinner, the most immoral person you can find in, in six counties. And you know what will cure them? Death. As soon as they take their last breath, if he's an alcoholic, he'll never take another drink. If he's a drug addict, he'll never pop another pill. If he's a fornicator or an adulterer, he'll never sleep with anybody else that's not his wife. Because he's dead. If he's a wife beater, he'll never raise his hand again. Whatever his sin may be, when he breathes his last breath, his sinning is over. That's the picture Paul gives. Do you know how to access the resurrection? You have to be willing to die. You have to come to Jesus and say, Lord, I die. I give myself to you. Remember what Jesus said? He says, if he that seeks his life will lose it. But if you want to find your life, you must give it up. You see, my friend, the key to victory in Jesus is surrender. It's surrender. 
Whatever it is that has you by the throat, let it go. Let it go. Leave it alone. Turn away from it. You might be here this morning. Probably there's somebody here having an affair. There's probably somebody here, you're sleeping with somebody that's not your spouse. And you say, I can't stop. Oh, yes, you can. You just don't want to stop. You're not willing to die. You're not willing to lay it down. You think you can't be happy without that relationship. And that's what you're holding on to. Let me, let me give you one more verse. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. And Paul, this is his great defense, if you will, of the resurrection. He says, How are the dead raised up? Someone will say. And with what body do they come? Foolish one. Listen to this. Foolish one. What you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain. Perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as He pleases, and to each seed its own body. I have in my hand an acorn from this tree out here. It's not much of an acorn. There's not good acorns this time of year. But it's what's left of an acorn. In the yard that I grew up in in Atkinson County, there were three great oak trees. And I bet you, even with my long arms, it would take three of me to reach around those trees. Huge. You know how they started? They started out with this acorn. And you know what many of us do? What we do is we take our acorn, and our acorn is our current life. Maybe a life that's full of adultery, or addiction, or pornography. Or maybe it's full of self-righteousness. You think you're better than everybody else. Maybe that's what your acorn is. I don't know what your acorn is. But we take our acorn, and what we do with our acorn, we say, boy, this is a dirty acorn. i got to clean it up. We start polishing our acorn. Get all the dirt off of it. We put it up on the shelf. Or we get us a frame. We say, I'm going to frame my acorn. I'm going to make it look a lot better. We frame our acorn and we put it up on the wall. We say, boy, my acorn looks better. I, I saw D.W.'s acorn. Boy, it looks terrible. Look at mine. My acorn's a lot better looking than D.W.'s. <laughs> you know, and we just talk about our acorn. And we work on our acorn and try to make our acorn or our acorn. Every way you say it, you know, I got, got it right here. I'm going to say acorn and acorn so I'll make everybody happy. We just polish our acorn. But you know what? If we want this to be something, what do we have to do? Plant it, bury it, it has to die. You can't find this acorn anymore once it begins to grow. And that is exactly what... Paul is talking about, that is exactly what he talked about, that we're crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not I, but Christ that lives in me. My friend, whatever it is that you have that you think you can't escape from, if it's a sin, addiction, whatever it may be, you've got to bury it. You must bury it. Don't polish it. Don't try to improve it. Don't try to reform your acorn. Bury it. It must die. Only... When it dies, Paul says that, what you sow is not made alive until it dies. You must bury it and be willing to give it up. 
You know, I could, if you tote something around long enough, you know, my glasses. Sometimes I wear contacts. Sometimes I've been wearing glasses since fifth grade. I don't know how many times when I started wearing, I still do it now. If I wear my glasses for a week or two and I'll put my contacts on, you know what I'll do? I'll, boom. I'll try to push my glasses up, but they're not there. I just hit myself in the, in the nose. Y'all look a lot better, by the way. But anyway, I just punch myself in the nose. If you tote something around long enough, you feel naked without it. And some of you, my friend, you have something that you have toted around almost all of your life. And you don't think you can do without it. But you know it's sin. You know it's not God's will for it to be in your life. You know it destroys you. You know it's pulling you down. It's destroying your marriage. It's destroying your work, whatever it might be. It's not something you need. But you are so used to it, you think, I can't let it go. It's mine. I'm going to keep it real polished, I promise you. I'm going to take real good care of it. I'm not going to drop it or let it get out of hand. But it's an acorn. Plant it. Let, bury it. Let it die. And let God, let the power of the resurrection make something out of it. You want to access the power of the resurrection? You first have to die. You first have to to die. What's the most popular invitational hymn in America? Just as I am. Here I come, Lord, with my dirty apron. And just as I am, I bring it to you. And just as I am, I place it at the altar. And just as I am, I tell you to bury it. I cling to it no more. And you know what will happen? What did he say? That what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain. But God gives it a body as He pleases to each His own body. And if you, if you skip down to 42, He says, So also is the resurrection of the dead. Now He's talking about two things here. He's talking about the actual resurrection of the dead. But I propose to you, He's also given us a picture of when we place our sin, we bury our sin, we bury our selfishness and whatever it is that we carry, we bury it at the foot of the cross. What does it say? So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. You bring corruption to Jesus and you bury it. He brings back incorruption. He says, it is sown... In dishonor, it is raised in glory. You come to Jesus in shame. And you bury your shame and your dishonor, but He raises you up in His glory. He says, it is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. You say, Brother William, I can't give up my acorn. I've got to have it. Oh, your natural body has to have it. In your natural state, you have to have it. But it is, raised, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Remember, a God who can take a man who's been dead three days and raise him up bodily and bring him up into heaven, He can take care of your problem. He can take care of your problem. If you're willing to let it die. If you're willing to bury it. If you're willing to release it. And not cling to it. That's the key to accessing the power of the resurrection. It's no secret. It's one word. Surrender. Surrender. 
No special knowledge required. No special skills required. Just surrender. Be willing to say, you know, in wartime when one group surrenders, why don't they raise their hands? Because you can tell. Both hands are raised. I, I cannot get a weapon. I give up my ability to defend myself. And when we come to Jesus, like the old hymn says, all to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. The power of the resurrection is available if you're willing to pay the price. If you're willing to give up your acorns in exchange for a mighty oak. A mighty oak grown by the power of God. Power of the resurrection. May we pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we recognize, Father, that in our blindness and in our simplicity, we often cling to acorns. And Lord, we try to keep them in our pocket. We try to keep them close. We don't want to release them. They bring us some security or some comfort. God, make us see. Help us to see the great blessings that are in store for us, Lord, if we will but release our acorns. Let them go. Bury them at the foot of the cross. Die to self. Be crucified with Christ. Father, for only through crucifixion and death to the flesh can we be raised in the power of the Spirit to walk in newness of life full of the Spirit of God and raised in the power of the resurrection, death and sin no longer having dominion over us, no longer a servant to the desires of the flesh, no longer a servant to any substance or any force on the face of this earth through the power of the resurrected Lord. Dear God, give us that willingness to surrender, that willingness to open wide our arms, and let the Spirit of God come in through the power of the resurrection. I pray if there's one here today that needs to make a decision for you, Lord, that you will draw them by your Spirit and they would come today and give their heart and their life to you and you would pour out your power upon them in such a way that they have never known before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand and sing, the Lord has spoken to you this morning. I invite you to come. Maybe you want to come pray. Maybe you need to make a public decision for the Lord. I'll be glad to pray with you, speak with you. You just obey the Holy Spirit as we sing. It's